welcome into Poke the Bear episode 85, the Kyle Kaiser episode from this year. Kyle Kaiser from this year, number 85. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So people who are watching on YouTube can see my face is a little discolored. Little discolored. Hmm. Ooh, Evan has a tan all over his face. I bet he went to like, you know, Bermuda or the Bahamas or he was laying on the beaches of Australia. No, 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 no. I was skiing in Park City, Utah, which was a blast. I highly recommend it. But I forgot one thing. Sunscreen. Didn't wear my sunscreen. The, the problem is, too, is the fact that it's, like, cut off down here. So, like, I don't think people would think you were in Bermuda. They thought maybe you were, like, Batman or, like, Judge Dredd with, like, that. you got, like, kind of a – it's, like, cut off right <laughs> here that you were wearing, like, a mask. Yeah. I have well, maybe it was, questions about I was that. Wearing, I was wearing ski goggles on the beach. Uh, but, no, instead I was wearing ski goggles, uh, skiing, and never really thought about sunscreen. I just – my lips were super chapped. So I was like, whatever. Didn't really think about the whole facial thing until I looked at my friend later that day, and he was all red. And I said, "Damn, I'm gonna wake up in really rough yes. shape tomorrow." And I did. I it is just horrendous, and my skin is peeling. And uh, it 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 uh, it was definitely a learning lesson. Every time I ski, I feel like I mess up my face in some way. The first time, I, mean, I basically almost broke my nose. <laughs> yeah, I, at least you're back here recording the podcast. You're back in one piece, which is the most important thing. That's I think when most of the listeners were. Not saying they were overly concerned, but fingers crossed, you know, it's like, you know, we wish the best forever. Everyone comes back in one piece. My friends did a hospital odds thing for who would oh, good. have to go to the hospital. And I think I was either the first or second best odds to go to the hospital, but it was good. It was great. Park City was so much fun. Salt Lake City was also a great time. Uh, skiing was insane. The views, the mountains out there. I know some people were saying on Twitter, it's the best snow. I'm, it's the best snow I've ever skied on. I don't have much experience, but to see people who are veterans there and people coming from all over the world to Park City, the, the, the snow was incredible. Like ever, even the people like me who were beginners in the friend group who went are now like, yeah, I want to ski like a lot more. Like it was so much fun. Um, so highly recommend the trip. Great time. Nice little place Park City is. I was saying the whole time they need an ice rink. They need an outdoor ice rink that you can skate on. They didn't yes. have one. I was disappointed. It seems like the, an easy layup there for a, for a setup for like a ski resort or anything like that. It seems like a no brainer. Easy, but there was nothing. But so yeah, crazy. We always say they always say we're the same person. You went to Utah last summer. I was like, I gotta go to Utah too. I just went to a different yes. part. So there you go. Um, summer, winter, us, it all balances out. Utah should sponsor us. It's it, like the you department. Know, is- of, yeah, the department of tourism. <laughs> that would be a wild one to add, but I will gladly take it. I don't know what they would send us other than maybe travel vouchers, but you could go for free trips. It's like maybe like sunscreen. Yeah, that would be great. I, I I went back into the rental shop the next day because uh, obviously I rent my skis. I don't have my own. Um, I wasn't going to lug them out to Utah. Uh, and I walked back in and obviously I, I, I was fresh, you know, freshly red. And they were like, oh, like how was yesterday? And I was like, great. You know, but the one thing you didn't rent me was sunscreen. And then I, I could have used that. And they were like, well, we have it here in the front desk. And I was like, well, I didn't know. Yeah. Well, um, already in pain. I, I know. I, I, it's funny. Who would have thought, you know, you're in the beating sun. 10,000 feet in the air and, uh, you know, reflecting off the snow just never, never hit me. Never, never really came to me up here, but a great time. Nonetheless, beautiful views and the sky, it was like blue sky. There was no clouds and it was like 40 degrees. I was so hot. Everybody was taking their coats off and stuff. It was yeah. so weird, but it was such a great time. Um, nice little break, nice little break in the middle of the season. Never a bad thing. Um, it's so funny too. You mentioned the, or I mentioned the getting sponsored by Utah when I was walking out of Logan, I saw the funniest ad for Hyde Park. 
There was an oh, ad yes. for Hyde Park on the it's way like out, super, of the, out of the it's gate. It's like, like that super long stretch of like area where you have to go like you walk underneath and they have like, yeah, it's you would think it'd be all the different neighborhoods. No, it's just like Hyde Park. It said a it's small like, town in a big city. <laughs> it's like, where's where Mamino's from? Like, oh, congrats. I don't, I don't know what the appeal really is. Like. There's probably people from Hyde Park listening to this who are very upset now, but I mean, I don't, I don't know why they need to, yeah, I don't know why they need to flex or like try to get people to show up. It's not, uh, I got nothing, Evan. It's it's Hyde Bewildered. Park, man. Like what, you know, it's like someone's coming from, you know, like California or Chicago or something and they walk through, where, where should we tour first in Boston? They, oh, well, there's this ad for Hyde Park. We got to check out Hyde, Hyde Park. London, <laughs> London has a Hyde Park, right? So it must correlate. Boston, it's the same thing. That's where Boston. the swan boats are, right? And then they show up and like, well, no. Okay, this was a bad idea. <laughs> Boston's, Boston's, uh, Boston's gem is Hyde Park. Um, but anyways, yes, fun times, fun trip, but the Bruins kept playing. It was fun though, being out West for the West coast games or for games out West. Cause the games were at seven and eight for me. It was kind of cool. Um, and it, I liked it. It was, it was fun and having like games at like five 30 in the afternoon, kind of trippy. Um, anyways, the Bruins though, continued to play, uh, and they've been looking good. They've been looking a lot better and no one has looked better over their past six games. And one Jake DeBrusque, who is not someone I would expect to be say I would not expect to be saying that now. I didn't expect him to still be on the Bruins now. Um, seven goals, two assists, last six games. He has been on a tear. Um, the big question surrounding DeBrusque, though, and, and he's finally spoken to the media, is uh, is when will he be traded? Can he be traded? And his trade request still out there? Now the Athletic has reported that the trade request is still there. Uh, DeBrusque hasn't said it himself; his agent said it. Um, but do the Bruins have to trade him? Because he's starting to look pretty damn good. Uh, they don't have to trade him. And it's one of those things where, of course, you, you kind of map out this scenario. And yeah, I, th- I agree with you, Evan, that I think we're all in the same boat, that when that trade request went public back in November, we didn't think we'd be here on recording today on March 3rd, thinking he would still be here, <laughs> right? Uh, but just because, you know, that trade request is still in play and of course like this right now is working out great for the Bruins that you know they've held on to him and he's really producing right now it's not like they moved him for pennies on the dollar back in December or January when he wasn't playing that well but I think the notion that all right he's you know scored a bunch of goals in short order he's looking pretty good on that top line with Berger and a Marchand the correlation that that means all of a sudden Don Sweeney's going to come out of this with a you know, a first round pick or a legit, you know, one for one swap for another impact player. I don't really think that's the case. Like I will do the Bruins want to move to brusque. I think so. I think they want to facilitate this move and get something in return back for him, but they don't have to right now at this moment. And if it's, you know, if teams are lowballing the Bruins, they don't want to, you know, meet what Don Sweeney's asking for. They're not obliged to move him right now. If it's going to be a lesser return, like you've got a guy that, right now is on pace, even though it's been an up and down year for him, he's on pace for 20 goals. He's still a very solid, even strength scorer when he's on. And right now he looks pretty good with, uh, Martian and Bergeron. And if you've got that first line all set, then the domino effect of, you know, Hall and Pasternak together, keep Coyle, uh, Smith and Frederick together. Like right now it seems like it's working. So you're not going to move a guy like that. If it ends up being a team's not going to budge and it's just going to be, a what are like a, a second and a fourth round pick, or it's going to be uh, another like maybe project for a guy that, you know, you don't want to trade a guy like DeBrusque who goes to another team and is happy and is producing at a pretty steady clip moving forward. And you've got this other kind of 
project, you know, up and down guy that could work out, could not. Like, you don't want to move him for a guy like that. I think at this point, when you see his value kind of spiking like that. Um, so it's all going to come down to what the return is and where it fits in. Now, if a team comes up to the Bruins, and is like, we'll give you a first for him. Or if DeBrusque is put into a package deal for a guy like Hurdle and it prevent, and, you know, adding a guy like DeBrusque allows you to avoid giving up you know, a top prospect or, you know, it makes it, you know, DeBrusque in two seconds or something like that. If that makes it more appealing, then I think you do that, obviously. Or if it's a legit one-for-one swap. But when you just look at the way DeBrusque value is, and I think what teams are hesitant about or is bringing in this guy that has the track record of being inconsistent and you've got that $4.4 million qualifying offer at the end of this year, Teams aren't really ready to take on this guy and give up you know, a premium for him when, one, you don't really still know what exactly surefire production you're going to get. And this offseason, you're going into it with a pretty big financial headache of either qualifying him for that much money, which teams probably aren't that thrilled about, or then not qualifying him and starting this big, huge contract negotiation. So it's still you know, a tough sell, I think, for some teams to give the Bruins what exactly they're looking for in a DeBrus trade. See, I look at it from this perspective of, you know, do the Bruins have to trade DeBrusque? Obviously, no. But granted, I don't know if DeBrusque has ever, I don't think he's ever had a streak like this in his career where he's been so, you know, just dominant. But it's, it just feels like he can easily go back to being that streaky player that he's always been. And that sort of, I think, is what is worrisome to the Bruins and it's worrisome to everyone is like, he could easily go back to no goals in the next 10 games. And, you know, that's that. And he fits along the first line fine, but he's just not producing consistently, which is what they've wanted out of him. And that makes me kind of think, you know, right now his value is high. It's as high as it's ever been. It's, it's so funny. It's either like way too low or way too high. There's zero in between the Jake DeBrusque. And I think with the deadline coming up, I I wouldn't hate if they tried to, to, to deal him. Um, but again, it also comes down to, you know, what are you getting? As you said, like if, as, as you said, if it's a second instead of a third, no, you don't do that. But if you can now pack, if you can now really package him, for someone like a Hurdle or a Miller or, you know, someone like that who can make a real impact, a bigger impact, and saves you from a draft pick or a prospect, obviously, as you said, you do it. Um, I just, I also worry that, you know, let's say they don't trade him at the deadline and they say, we're going to trade him at the draft. You know, that's mm-hmm. what we're going to, we're dealing with the draft. And you're, you're at the draft or you finish off the season and he's inconsistent again. And it's like, well, he goes back to being the same Jake DeBrusque. It hasn't changed at all. And then you sit at the draft going, well, we could have got a lot more for him at the deadline and we didn't. Now you're also making the bet that maybe he has a spectacular rest of the season. He's finally found his game. But I, I don't know. I mean, again, in some of these goals, I hate to be nitpicky. I hate to be nitpicky. <laughs> but, Jonathan Quick was uh, snoozing a little bit, I think, on a few of those. Uh... Yeah, some of those were a little not so great. And that's why I think at the same time, I look at some of the goals and I go, you know, he's, he's, they're going in the net. So, like, you, I'm not complaining. But they're not consistent-like goals. And, and, again, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, but he's still scoring. And I get that. But I still look at it and I go, well – I don't know if that's sustainable. You're not facing John and the quick every night. And as a UMass alum, that hurts to say, right? It still has two cups, but still that hurts to say. So um, I do look at a guy like DeBrusque and I think if you can trade him at the deadline and get way more than what you would have got back in, um, back in November or December, I think you kind of have to do it. Cause again, you do have, this is not a position where you have holes. You know, you do have Craig Smith. I know the third line's working right now, so you don't want to break that up. And Craig Smith has not been too consistent. But if you really get a good deal for DeBrusque at the deadline, I think you kind of have to do it. Yeah, I think it's almost like a scenario where 
you know, playing slots and you're like, you've got, you're on a roll winning and you have to learn when to, you know, <laughs> cash out and walk away. And if you're the Bruins, it's like, all right, you know, we're not back where we were in November and December where I think we were talking about like Mason Appleton, which like, holy <laughs> shit. Like imagine if like they moved him for like that Mason stinks. Appleton. Like, yeah, like that's not going to like, you're above that tier. You would hope, right? Like you would hope at this point you've gone beyond that, but it's the only bigger, the only the only bigger thing on fire uh, when the Bruins played the Kraken, aside from Mason Appleton, uh, was the Nesson Studios. That was you know, yes, yes, <laughs> nice, nice connection there. Yes, exactly. So I mean, it's one of those things where if you're the Bruins, it's Wang went to cash out of as a deal there. Now, if again, I think as we said, if there returns a first round pick, or you know, for a guy like Hurdle, it allows you to avoid like giving up like a first, which I don't think will be the case. I think a first is going anyway, but regardless, like if it lowers kind of the asking price, you, you don't have to give up another asset on the way. Then I think the Bruins obviously do that. It's just for them. Is it, you know, what kind of offer are you going to get? Cause I think they want to move him. It's just how many teams are playing hardball. Like if Chicago offers up a guy like Kubelik who had what, like a 30 goal season his rookie year, then he's really kind of fallen off. That's the guy you probably take a flyer on, right? Where it's like, all right, we're going to put this, shot first winger with Marshan and Bergeron. He's got a 30 goal, uh, you know, he scored 30 goals two years ago. That's a move you probably make. It's just whether or not teams are offering that. Like if we, if DeBrusque is still here, I think in, uh, you know, past March 21st, I think it has to be that teams are not, were either scared by that qualifying offer or by his kind of track record and didn't want to play hardball with the Bruins or were playing hardball with the Bruins and they didn't bite because, as you said, you can map out kind of two drastically different scenarios past past March 21st if he's still here. One is, all right, he's disappointed, obviously, but you're still in the top line, most likely with Marchand and Bergeron. You make the most of the last, what, eight, nine, ten weeks of the Bruins season. You keep on hopefully stacking up points. For him, who's due for a new contract this summer, you cash out then. And you break off from the Bruins. They most likely don't qualify you, and you work it from there or you get moved at the draft. So that's the best case scenario, but it could also very much be a scenario where you don't get anything for him and he's upset and he drags his feet. And all of a sudden you've got that vacancy on that top line again, where you don't really, you're having the who's underperforming. And then this kind of structure you have in place all kind of gets out of whack again with that forward core. So uh, again, it's so many different scenarios, so many different, you know, risks involved with what you do with DeBrusque in terms of, you know, assessing where his value is at its highest and how you get the best return for him. Again, I think the Bruins want to move him, but I don't think it's any guarantee that he does, especially if teams aren't paying whatever Don Sweeney's asking for, for a guy like him who, again, he does have value. It just comes in waves. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, that is, I think maybe one of the biggest questions surrounding the Bruins at this deadline is how do you maximize that value? How do you figure him out? How do you make sure that his value is at his highest? And I think it really comes down to just keep him where it is. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like don't move him from that top line. Keep the top three lines in in place right now. It's completely working. Like, and again, like the Bruins, I believe are what 18, seven and one since Pasternak moved down to the second line. uh, If I'm not mistaken, since January 1st, so again, and obviously DeBrusque was not uh, up on the top line for all that time, but just mi- mixing and matching the way they have right now, your top nine looks good. I mean, again, I don't know how street, I don't know how that's going to hold up over the final month, two months of the season and into the postseason. but that's not too bad. That's not too bad. So I think when it comes to maximizing his value, uh, it's probably keeping him uh, on that top line, uh, as you said. Now, pretty safe bet. 
that, uh, you know, Jake DeBrusque is going to keep his trade request in, right? It's hard to imagine him being like, nope, it's gone. I think he would have said that uh, after when he was uh, first talked to after. Was it the Seattle game? Yeah, it was the Seattle game that he yes. talked to uh, the media for the first time. Uh, but we're talking really safe bets, really safe bets. Our good friends over at Bet Online. Right you are, Evan. Listen up, guys. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full swing for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use our mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50. 50. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Simply put, they're the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Stats. Starts. I'll add in the Boston Starts. accent today. Starts. Stats. Stats. Caught myself. No Boston accents, by the way, out in Utah. None. Wild. I couldn't believe it. Uh, they're just must you know, have been bliss. No Bo- yes, it's funny. My friend actually wore uh, three different jerseys skiing. One day he wore a Charlie McAvoy jersey. One day he wore a Nathan McKinnon jersey, and the next day he wore a Phil Kessel Arizona Coyotes jersey, which was pretty sick. Um, and he said, out of the three days, he, the most shoutouts he got. Was for the Mac jersey. Oh nope, <laughs> it should have been. I I said it should have been McKinnon, uh, but it also should have been Hot Dog Phil. But I did think it was pretty crazy that there were so many um, like Bostonians there that were like, oh, or Bruins fans at least. Like there was one guy on the chairlift with us who was like, "Where are you guys from?" And we were like, "Oh, you know, we're from Boston." He's like, "Oh, I grew up in Peabody. I lived there for so long." And I was like, "Oh, Peabody, classic." Um, but so well, funny. If, if there's any indication from some of these games out in LA and Seattle, they travel extremely well, the Bruins. So yes, good very good to see, especially in Anaheim. Did you see that? Yeah. It was like mainly Bruins fans. People um, go right from Disney world, right? O- Disneyland. <laughs> sorry. Disneyland. Right. Right over there. Well, it's funny. I was saying to my friends, if we had an extra day or two, we could have just flown down to Vegas for the game on Thursday or like driven there at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of – I don't know if there will be a ton of Bruins fans there, but I'd imagine a good amount. That was do pretty well. Good amount. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of good things for the Bruins, more good things. Jeremy Swayman has been on an absolute tear uh, ever since Tuka Rask hung him up, uh, which I think is uh, pretty telling that Swayman has really kind of asserted himself as the number one, at least for the past month. Jeremy Swayman has been terrific, 5-1-1, I believe. Or is it 5-0-1? 5-0-1. Yes, 5-0-1. Uh, crazy goals against average. Best save percentage among all goaltenders during that time, 960. Um, and he's beating really good teams. Now, the real question comes down to this. Starting to move his way into that Calder discussion. Now, most siders have been ridiculous with Detroit. Yes. I mean, most siders have been like insane, like Norris-level conversation. Um, but is there any chance that Jeremy Swayman kind of nudges his way on into the Calder conversation? Uh, I mean, I think he can get into the conversation. He'd have to go on a complete heater all the way down, like through April to, to get there, to get in that conversation, which wouldn't put it past him. I mean, this is the Swayman right now that we saw for his extended kind of sample size last year, right? I mean, it's kind of the same exact poise player. Um, he's made huge strides with not giving up rebounds. I mean, just seems locked in ever since Rass has come back. So, I mean, he's been fantastic, but. 
I think you also look at the fact of where this rookie class is. It's not just a guy like Cider, right? I mean, you've got Lucas Raymond, Trevor Zagras, who I think, especially in terms of Calder voting, I feel like he's going to get a bunch of votes anyway. Granted, he's a great player, and he's got the stats yeah. to do it, but also he's, I think he's got the hype of, like, you know, the plenty of, you know, people who, who vote for the awards, which we'll talk about in a second, who don't really do any of the freaking research, but then they just know the guy because <laughs> they're on TV a lot. So I think Zagras had quite a few votes that way, but not just that, but, I mean, look at, uh, a guy like Matt Boldy, who's been like almost a pointer game guy uh, with Minnesota. I guarantee he showed up late too. But if he ends the year with, you know, 35 points in 41 games or something like that, he could be right in the running. And then the guy that I think people are, it's kind of like the, the Panarin discourse from a few years ago is Michael Bunting, who I would like to say, I said multiple times in the offseason, the Bruins should have signed that guy because he was nasty in like a short sample size with a bootleg Arizona team. What do you know? He goes to Toronto. He's stacking up points. So I like to make that, put it on record that the Bruins should have signed Michael Button. But he's also a guy that, if you look at just his baseline numbers or in his goals, you know, I think uh, his underlying metrics, he's right at the top too. So is Freeman going to put himself in the conversation? I think he can. Is he going to win? Not this year. You got a lot of really, really good rookies. But if you're the Bruins, you're more than happy if he's in the conversation and he's where he is right now, which is, I mean, he's right below. Shesterkin and Anderson and maybe one more guy for I think total save percentage. I mean he's been money since since Rask retired. I was just looking it up because I was thinking for a second that Ville Huso out in St. Louis yeah. might be a rookie, but he played last season, so I don't I don't believe he's in. I don't think he's eligible to be a rookie of the year candidate mm-hmm. this year. Um, it's hilarious to sure, see someone just completely guys. overtake. Yeah, overtake Jordan Bennington for that. Yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, crazy how that works. Couldn't have yeah. seen that one coming. Yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah, such a sad thing to see Jordan Bennington slowly losing his job. That's you never like to see that. That's not good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny with Swayman. You know, it's it, you think back to about a month, month and a half, and people are going, you know, always oh, going to the AHL. You know, he he might lose all his confidence. He, he's gonna, it's going to derail his whole career. This kid, he's he's done because Chuka came, and he's been better. He's been so much better than he was at the beginning of the year. I mean, rebound control's been better. His overall play has just been much better. He's making better saves. He's making more saves. Um, so it's funny to see how that works. It's funny to see how the, going on the AHL didn't really kill him. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it, Evan? It's like, it's again, it's uh, this guy who showed up last year as a true rookie and posted like a 940 save percentage over like a 10-game <laughs> stretch. Had like a shutout over, I think, the Penguins in like one of his first games. Like, this is a guy that, again, the technical skill is there and all that. But for just his poise, that's something that has been mentioned at Maine during his short stint in Providence when he first signed his contract, all that stuff. Like this is a guy who I don't think gets really rattled off of getting sent down to Providence for a few weeks. And again, yeah, of course it was disappointing. Like, no, yeah, no, no shit. Like, of course he was disappointed <laughs> by it, but for a guy like that, who's got, I think that internal drive and that composure, it's, you know, a temporary setback, but then he gets right back at it and is performing at this level now. So, yeah, I mean that, that narrative, thank God. Again, it's very unfortunate to Rask had, you know, retired and wasn't able to complete his comeback, but thank God that narrative's done because that was such a weak, like such a weak ass narrative. That that one drove me nuts for like the the two weeks that we had to deal with it. That uh, swimming getting sent down was gonna just crumble his confidence. Yeah, and it, obviously it didn't. And I think again, you you mentioned the rat of Tuchel going down to Providence a bunch, and like that clearly didn't do anything. Yeah, it happened. That's why. He, that's why he never won a cup as a starter. That that must have been the reason. Oh. Mm. 
We figured it out. We just cracked the code. Uh, but Swayman's looking ridiculous. And again, he's beating good teams and he's you know keeping you in games. And I think that's a huge, huge thing. Um, and again, like play playoff started today, going with Swayman in that. Like, oh, I yeah. think that's a pretty obvious bet. <laughs> I don't know uh, why that would be any different. Um, and again, the season there's about, you know, month, month and a half left of the season. Have to think that probably continues. Um, hopefully this doesn't, hopefully it doesn't start to be bad. People go, Oh, Evan, you jinxed him. Evan, you yeah, did it. You, he, he is said to be in reason. that, uh, as we record, he's going to play Vegas in a little bit. So we'll see what happens. We're going to have like a lot of replies <laughs> on YouTube tomorrow. They're going to go idiots. if like they lose <laughs> to Vegas. So hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully we have a lot of love in the YouTube comments. So yes, we, we, we have, we have the love. one, uh, loyal listener on YouTube who always checks and replies to make sure the vibes are good. So yes. they're intact for today. So. Thank you vibes for always checking the vibes. Yeah, so the vibes are always, always good. It's all about our intros. If we say the intro the right way, the vibes are off the charts. Bet yes. the Bruins the whole weekend. If it's not, if the intro's messed up a little bit or different, don't bet the Bruins. I will take it's, the blame. It's, it's the way I, I, I'm with you right there. It's funny. I was actually in the airport, and I was like, oh, I'm going to reply to some YouTube comments. And I was reading some of them, and I was like, oh, these are cool. And then I get to the bad ones, and I'd be like, well, I'm mad at it. I don't know why I did this. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, speaking of things that you don't know why you did, uh, selfie trophy discussion, <laughs> which is, which we don't talk about much on Bruins beat or this, because it's really Bergeron and everybody else feels like that every year. So it's kind of just like rehashing the same stuff, but there's always people on Twitter who are arguing that Patrice Bergeron shouldn't win the trophy or they want to see someone new win the trophy. And you sit there and you go, then what's the freaking point of the trophy? If we're just giving it to someone new every year, like that's so stupid. Um, and who was it? Was it, um, Oh, his name's Mike. Mike Mathis. Mike, someone. Oh, uh, Matheson um, over in uh, Edmonton. Yeah. Yes. He's the one who got into the he got into the spat with uh, Drysaddle, I think, right? Yes, it was him. And he didn't he tweet something like uh, like uh, Elias Lindholm should win the award. I I mean, it's it's the same thing as like the discourse last year with Bergeron, where he got left off a couple of ballots of like, yeah, he's great, but he's not the only one. Which, yes, that's true. Like, there's been other times (laughs) again. Bergeron has lost out to Selkie a couple of times over the years where he's got lost to a, a guy who's had a better season. Like that happens. Like, you know, even look at like early on in his career when like Datsuk had that run, like, yeah, another really, really fantastic defensive player. Like there's sometimes you tip your cap, but to not have him on ballots or just discredit him just because he's done it so many times in the league wide consensus that he's the best defensive forward in the league. Doesn't mean he shouldn't get his due when he's putting together crazy seasons, especially this year. Like, his numbers this year are off the charts for a guy that is 36 is, you don't know how much longer he's going to play, which the Bruins probably look at this, like, please don't retire yet. Cause you're still <laughs> the best defensive forward in the league by a lot. We have no plan behind you. And we have no one behind you. Yes, exactly. But I mean, like you look through, it's at least encouraging that, uh, you know, you look at some of these, you know, people on the national level or people who do a fantastic job with, you know, interpreting stats and metrics and stuff like that. Like, I think Dom Lucision had a thing in The Athletic, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced Dom's name, uh, but I, I think he's probably used to that. But uh, he did a <laughs> thing think? where it was, yeah, uh, where he did like the award watch of, you know, all the different ones and looks at who's the favorite right now. And he said it's Bergeron and it's like not remotely close. And there's, Plenty of great defensive forwards out there, but I mean, you know, they crunch the numbers. Uh, previous high for expected goals percentage in a season was 63.9% by one Henrik Zetterberg in 07-08, 63.9%. Bergeron's at 68.8 right now. That's almost five percentage points better. Like, it's not, 
remotely close right now in terms of how much of an impact he's had uh, on this team and, and his impact on the ice. And yeah, it, it's one of those ones where you can have that debate as to other guys who are worthy of it. You know, we've seen, I think, up in Toronto, a lot of people say Austin Matthews is deserving of it, and maybe he's in the conversation. It's like Swayman. Like, it's nothing wrong with being in that conversation. Austin Matthews is a fantastic player and is probably slept on as a defensive player because he always all the highlights are him ripping shots for goals, right? Like makes yeah. sense. But uh, when you look, you know, when it comes down to crunch time and you determining who's the worthy guy, sometimes it's better not to overthink it. Sometimes it's better to just glance at the stats, you know, look at the underlying numbers and it's not a, a legacy thing, right? For a guy like Bergeron. It's again, he's the, probably the best defensive forward ever, but it, when he's at age 36, putting together numbers like this and how tilted the ice is in Boston's favor when he's out there at this age, it's wild. And again, it shouldn't be, you can make the argument that the last couple of years, he already should have hit that fifth Selkie trophy. But if he doesn't win this year, something has to have gone drastically wrong. And it'll make for a fantastic poke the bear episode. If we get to June, July and he's not the Selkie winner, because I don't think it's close right now. Yes. No, I completely agree with you on all points there. And I think again, Bergeron being this dominant tells you this team should not be selling or staying pat. They need to make moves like they need to do things. And I think they will. But I think for a lot of people who are like, oh, they need to blow the whole thing up or trade, you know, Bergeron or something. It's like, no, <laughs> you don't get seasons like this out of Bergeron at 36 or you don't get seasons like this out of 36 year old players almost ever. You have Brad Marchand. Like, again, it hints at this, like, you need to keep competing. You don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. This group has gone the distance before. They could do it again. So it's worth uh, going for it, especially with Bergeron just being one of the best seasons of his career this year. I mean, it is ridiculous how good he's been. And again, he's also had different wingers. It has not just been Pasternak and Marchand the whole year. He's had different guys on his right side. So it's incredibly impressive. Uh, what Bergeron has done. And I think Jay Fresh, I mentioned this before we recorded, had a stat where Martian and Bergeron are just light years above everyone defensively. Um, and again, Martian has a legit case for the Selkie as well. Will he win it? No, especially with the way the, the league votes. But he totally deserves to be in the conversation for it as he does uh, with the Hart Trophy as well. That'll probably, obviously, the people will not vote for him because of the, the Spanish and stuff. But he deserves to be in the conversation at least. So, um Interesting stuff with the Selkie. If I had to place a bet on the Selkie, I would put it on Bergeron, but I would not put it past some of these writers and voters from other parts of the country who are just stubborn and are like, oh, no, we can't have Bergeron win again. So who knows? Um, anyways, Connor, before we head out, uh, obviously people are like, oh, are you going to break down the Vegas game? No, because we've said 100 times we're recording before the Vegas game. Um, what can the people look forward to over at BSJ? Yeah, uh, as this long road trip comes to an end, we'll be back at the Garden, hopefully in the next couple of days, and breaking down, uh, again, the usual stuff you see week in and week out at BSJ, the game recaps, the breakdowns, uh, still working on a couple of features that we're excited to share in the next couple of weeks. Um, and again, deadline is now uh, less than three weeks away, so we'll, we've already done plenty of you know potential targets, stuff like that. We'll start looking at what assets the Bruins have to, to give, what maybe is the best route for them going forward. All that stuff will be over at BSJ. So subscribe to bostonsportschannel.com. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all of that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week. Bye.